0: I think it's impossible to keep up with everything, and that's why it's really important to invest in the relationship partnerships, really, with others in the business, and I try to apply that to everyone on the team so that we're constantly learning and growing, but being able to rely on others for any of your gaps in your own experience and knowledge I think is is pretty important as a marketer.
1: You're listening to Sunny Side Up a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Noonan. And today I am super excited to talk to Christy Garcia on the Modern CMO's Guide to Success. As Chief Marketing Officer, Christy Ebert Garcia spearheads impact.com's global marketing strategy. She's been named by Business Insider as one of the most important marketing tech executives of 2021 and a top 40 change maker in the performance marketing industry this year. Um, and Christy leads an award winning team of marketers over at impact.com. She is also part of the Forbes Communication Council, regularly contributing articles about the expanding power of partnerships to drive revenue and growth. And she's also a member of CHIEF, which is a network designed to highlight and mentor women in executive leader, leadership positions. Christy, I'm really excited to talk to you today and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Absolutely. And and as a female myself working in the tech industry, it's it's an honor to also be able to, to interview t- you today. So, you know, one of the, the things that we want to kind of kick off with is what qualities does today's modern CMO need to have to see success in their business and careers?
0: Yeah, I think it's, there's a lot. And and some of what I'll say is probably going to sound fairly obvious, but I see a lot of wrecks for marketing leaders that, you know, probably have some really un- unrealistic expectations. And from my experience, there's some so- sort of core basics that you need to be successful in this role. The first is data-driven. You really need data to define your strategy, determine who you're successful in reaching, where you aren't winning. The really cool part about being in marketing is that you're you're able to test things. Like You can use your advertisements to test messaging and your value drivers, your colors, everything. Um, And data doesn't have to always prove you right either. It's really important that you're letting the data prove you wrong and to be letting the data make some of the decisions where maybe some of your leadership team might have some of their own important ideas that they have to say okay well this is what the data is saying let's let that be our guide and be sure to surface it when it's not benefiting you also right when, when it's showing you things that maybe you don't necessarily want to share but being able to leverage data and lean on data and speak like someone who understands data is super important i'd say the second thing is the the digital marketing element like three being a 360 marketer let's face it no one was a digital marketing expert 30 years ago but it's really not just about understanding the paid media channels are the right buzzwords, but understanding how to use them all right together, organic, paid, earned partnerships, using all of that to reach your consumers. Uh, And and really, you need to understand things like attribution modeling and touchpoint mapping and intent data and sort of the newer technologies and analytics that just keep getting more and more granular. It's very exciting, but being able to keep up with the latest and greatest across the board in digital marketing is, is, you know, can be very, difficult, but it is very important. And I'd probably say the last one would be creativity and just maintaining a creative mindset. It's not a lost art in B2B. It's something that can be cultivated or squandered, frankly, by your CMO and leadership team. So I would would also say, despite what I just said about data-driven, not being so overtly focused on metrics that we forget about the human elements, emotion, passion, not just thinking about people as humans, not just targets is really important because creativity is about appealing to a customer as a human. And while we talk about the data and understanding it, it's it's why I think many of us may be in marketing. At least i can I can say that is true for me. I loved creative writing and working on really unusual creative ways to feature clients or reach clients in in my experience. So I think maintaining that creative mindset, continuing to expand your knowledge as far as you know, the the ecosystem out there. Digital marketing standpoint, and then also always looking at data and, and surfacing data as as what's driving the decisions is important.
1: I love that, and I think I think one of the things that stands out to me is is data inc- data driven and creative mindset don't have to be mutually exclu- exclusive. They can you can let the data also kind of remove some of that manual component of choosing the right audiences, trying to, to reach an audience, and allow you to focus more on the creative aspect of it as well. Exactly. Yeah, um, I I really love that. And one of the things that you also mentioned is the evolving technologies that that are at our fingertips today. How do you keep up with the changes in this fast paced, evolving marketing industry?
0: Yeah, I do the best I can, but I really rely on my team. I think it's impossible to keep up with everything. And that's why it's really important to invest in the relationship partnerships, really, uh, with others in the business. I constantly study trends, read news and newsletters, take my own training and growth really seriously, and I try to apply that to everyone on the team uh, so that we're constantly learning and growing, but being able to rely on others for any of your, you know, gaps in your own experience and knowledge I think is is pretty important as a marketer and it's something that when you invest in a team and spend time in growing the team, they they are your partners and that's that's sort of how I I can continue to be a, you know, player coach, I think, uh, in a lot of
1: ways is, is being able to rely on the other leaders on the team. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that stands out to me about you is that importance that you put on helping your team grow and excel. Why is it so important to you to help marketers, whether they're on your team or outside your team, excel and grow in their careers? And, and tell us about how you help build up your internal marketing team.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for asking and noticing because it is something I care a lot about. I think as my leader or as a leader in general, it's my responsibility to help the team become better marketers, whether they stay with me or not. And marketers must be trained, but really need to feel empowered first and foremost. And and I think that's what they need to be able to make some of those strategic decisions without you, right? Is, is that empower, empowerment? And I've I realized I'm not setting anyone up for success if I have to be in every meeting. I can promise you that if I have to make every decision and I shouldn't be the one doing that. Selfishly, empowering the team and sort of ensuring that everyone is trained and moving up in their careers or growing is something that actually makes me feel good uh, at the same time. So that's a fortunate thing, but it's true. I, I love to see people's eyes light up when they're explaining an idea to me I love to see people on the team who have be- become as, as fairly junior now driving, you know, the largest departments within the team, driving large scale global campaigns from start to finish without much input from me at all. Those things are really rewarding. So that's why I, I do it. And, and I also feel like it's the right thing to do as a leader. But one of the things that I do is I, I try to keep the rule that I don't hire director level or above externally unless there are really no internal candidates. I've made a few exceptions to that rule in several years, but it's important to me that I'm growing my team and they're growing with me. Uh, I was a serial vice president of marketing for many years and before I was offered the CMO role at Impact.com. And it was really hard for me to watch people come in from the outside and take opportunities that I felt like I deserved. And I don't want my people, people who I'm responsible for helping to grow and cultivate, to feel that they are doing everything right from my point of view, and I still don't want them in in, in a senior role. That's not at all the way to empower a team. So I, I certainly take that very seriously, internal growth. Um, And also providing opportunities for the team to say, okay, maybe this area of marketing is not for you. Like maybe you want to try something else Maybe you want to go to product marketing. Maybe you want to do more writing. Maybe you want to work on the social team or maybe you don't want to be in marketing at all. Let's find a role for you in the business. I think those are things that leaders should always be doing. It's nice to to get recognition for that, but it's something that I feel like everyone should do.
1: Yeah, no, I, I love that. Tell us a bit about impact.com and and how you're transforming the way businesses manage and optimize all kinds of partnerships. Sure.
0: So, impact.com is a partnerships management platform. It helps brands and creators and other types of partners discover each other. So, think about like a big marketplace. You kind of go in and you're searching for different types of partners for different needs for your business. Maybe it's to grow new customers or maybe it's to drive revenue or to, you know, a particular campaign or a new product launch. So you can work with all different types of partners and find them on the platform. Uh, You can message them, contract, and all of the tracking, all of the reporting, all of the links are, are sort of managed by the platform. So anyone who's part of that partnership can kind of log in and see the same metrics as far as performance. And it really empowers these businesses who sometimes they're small businesses, other times they're big businesses that just don't have a mature partnerships program or a channel. And so they come to impact.com and they are basically provided with all of the technology that they would need to be able to track and manage all of their partnerships. I think that's the easiest way to explain it. But essentially, the goal is always for businesses to be able to grow efficiently, especially in times of macro economic hardships, being able to have a partnership strategy where you're paying for the outcomes that you want is a very solid
1: one when it comes to return on investment. Awesome. Yeah, it definitely sounds pretty robust and kind of as the one stop shop for for partnerships, whatever that partnership may be. And and I can also say personally, as a consumer, I see the value of partnerships, being the buyer as the consumer, but also working in the B2B space. I see so much growth through partnerships. I feel this is kind of the age of the partnership led growth. And I, I'm probably speaking to the choir and saying that, but you know, how can broader, more modern partnerships help CMOs? support their brand for growth and and drive revenue? It's a good question and I agree with you. I've been
0: in this industry for over a decade and there has never been a better time for CMOs to be leaning in because the technology has caught up with consumer behavior for the first time. Frankly, advertising isn't working in the same ways that it was. It's more expensive, it's less efficient, and consumers are tuning it out. So CMOs have to start thinking about alternatives to their customer acquisition strategy, especially in these times, like I mentioned, when ROI can be incredibly important for any marketing leader to prove the value of their team and their role. So our industry has really always been about providing businesses and partners the most efficient ways to grow their business. Um, And in challenging times where you're only paying for a desired action is completed, just becomes a lot more appealing. So it's like a CPA-based model where you're only paying for an action And frankly, that model should always have been appealing, given that this particular channel, the partnerships channel, is driving between 25 to 30 percent of business revenue, not marketing source revenue, business revenue for companies who are leveraging the best technologies and and marketplaces. Businesses partner with those in in a position to refer business, which includes traditional reward affiliates, influencers, creators, media publishers, other businesses. You know, we all love those business business partnerships that we see. Especially when they they're an added value for the consumer, um, and and with this mistrust and the concentration of ad dollars going to just a few large companies that we know, partnerships really are the alternative that can provide and deliver the scale efficiently that we need. And we do this by authentically reaching target customers. And so that's you know being in places where they're researching, right? Like showing up in articles where people are reviewing products, showing up on on sites where people are looking for deals, showing up in you know, review sites and and things like that. Like that can only be done through partnerships. And so I think it's a, a very important channel for every SEMO.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's stood out there as the authenticity piece of it, right? I think that um, people are a little bit drowned out with, like you mentioned, some a little bit of digital fatigue um, and advertisements and and messaging being kind of pushed on to folks. So I think the aut- authenticity and the organic nature of partnerships is is really valuable there as well. And you also mentioned ROI, right? So in an age right now where everybody is strapped for, for resources, it's it's limited resources across the board. How can CMOs help prioritize these types of partnerships with those limited resources in mind?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And you're right. We're all trying to do more with less, right? Either that's consolidation of tools and products or services to a certain extent or budget line items. It's, you know, it's stuff. It's stuff out there for marketing leaders. I won't say that it's not. But I, I think that partnerships are actually the answer for the limitations on, on the team for limited resources. So as a CMO, being able to say, I can accomplish objectives 100%, I'm sure, and only pay for those things, that when people understand that, like when you're sharing, okay, you're spending, I don't know, $100,000 a month on Google ads, uh, and you're paying for clicks, or you're, you're spending all this money on display and you're paying for impressions. There's no guarantee ROI in any of that. We we like to think that there is. There's some safety and some benchmark data that we like, and and it's true. I've we've been successful in in advertising as a marketing team at Impact.com, but if I had the choice to work with partners where they were driving the same actions as some of those digital marketing channels, and I'm only paying when they do, that is a easy sale for the most part. And being able to prioritize that means. Maybe stopping the focus on some of these other channels that aren't performing as well or or pulling resources from there and, and focusing on them on somewhere else. But that's part of that's part of the the role of the marketing leader is, is to always be evolving and, and to keep that open mind that what's working isn't always going to stay working. Um, and if you've been in the game long enough, you know that. And so you are going to be looking for a way to get ahead. Partnerships are that way, and and I think a lot of brands, you know, even like the big ones that we're working with, Walmart, you know, Adidas, Home Depot. These are brands that don't need customer acquisition, right? They don't necessarily need brand awareness, yet they they leverage partnerships in an, instead of other channels. So it's again, I think it's a very common desire to only pay for outcomes. It's just not a very common thing, and and so with partnerships, it's a very common thing. So that that's usually how I start it, and it doesn't. Doesn't really require a whole lot of pushing after that point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> you mentioned evolving, right? You have evolved over the years into a very accomplished CMO. What What advice would you give to an up and coming or early CMO?
0: I thought a lot about this because I I want everybody on on my team and in in the organization who at least was listening to this to hear this. But for any up and coming CMO in any other company, you stay up on the industry trends. Stay Stay modern, like you know, we hit a certain age and maybe we forget or we think things are cool that aren't cool anymore. And so we have to be reminded, like, I don't know if there's any other parents out here, but I'm reminded by my six-year-old how uncool I am all the time. But it is important to understand TikTok and to understand Gen Z and to like, you know, understand the industry trends like we talked about, especially in B2B. Um, so that's the first thing is just, you know, stay up, stay, stay current, stay up to date. And then the second thing is the CMO, CMO role is bigger than the marketing team. So as a VP of marketing, I was always fighting for my team. And it was about how to get marketing more budget to prove the value more. And, and it was all coming from a very positive place. But once you've become a CMO, you're not thinking about just your team anymore, right? You're thinking about what's best for the business. And so that was a lesson that I learned and something that I, I would pass on as very valuable feedback as, as someone who has received it myself. So paying attention to what the, is best for the org is a little different than maybe what it used to be when 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 you might've been at a lower level or on your way up. But I'd say the third thing is super important, and I've said this before, but understanding the language of the chief financial officer, your CFO. Sit with him or her, or her learn about what materials they're showing to the board, what the expectations are from the CFO's point of view, help them understand marketing how it works. I think there's there's some, you know, still some gaps out there in the C-suite outside of the CMO who may not fully understand it. So I think being able to understand the financial point of
1: view of, of the business and, and the goals there are only going to benefit
0: for you as a CMO.
1: I think that's a, a really interesting point. I'm glad you brought that up. Shifting gears here a little bit, any good reads? Is there a book, blog, newsletter, website, or video that you would recommend to our, to our listeners? Well, I don't think I would be a very good marketer if I
0: didn't at least mention that we have a podcast ourselves called The Partnership Economy, and our CEO has written a book with the, the same name. So there's a book right now called The Partnership Economy. So what's cool about these different medias is that the they're, they're, it's all about our client success and innovation. So we're talking to marketing leaders, like I said, at Walmart, HubSpot, Disney streaming, well-known influencers talking about the growth through these referral partnerships and so it's really an interesting industry and channel, but hearing it from me is, is sort of not giving it the service that, that your listeners deserve here. So I would say definitely listening straight from the voice of our clients would be a really good, interesting way to learn more about
1: partnerships. And so we'll, I'll certainly be giving it a listen. Now, good people, could you share the names of three inspirational people in the B2B space that you, re- we, you recommend we bring to the show? So I am here for the strong
0: women leaders, and I will name three for you. One is, and I'm going to butcher her name, and Latane Kanat, chief marketing officer of Sixth Sense. So Sixth Sense is a company that I admire. Uh, It's a product that we're currently using. I cannot recommend it enough, but she's written a book that I think is super interesting about cold calls and forms and how we should sort of be moving away from that model. And so I think she's super interesting, Uh, Latane Kanat cannot Uh, and i'm pronouncing it so wrong um the second is a woman that i met recently her name is kayla wilkins um she's a super well-rounded marketer she's currently at jp morgan uh comes from a tech startup background similar to mine generalist super well-rounded marketer and i think she'd be very interesting to learn from and then the third person i would say is amanda malco who's the cmo of g2 or she was and now she's an advisor for the business but these are three women that I have come to know and, and respect. And so I would say that there are some great options there for you.
1: Well, I love I love how it's coming full circle with with female and woman empowerment and in our space and just in, in general and B2B. How can people get in touch with you after this podcast? I'm a little bit of a LinkedIn
0: junkie. I don't know if, if anyone would know that, but I I am on it constantly because I, I like to promote the things that are happening in the industry and, and also from Friends and ex-colleagues so LinkedIn is, is definitely the best way to get in touch with me and again it's Christy Garcia but it might be easier to look for Christy Ebert which is my maiden name. Perfect
1: awesome well Christy I really really enjoyed having you on our podcast today this was such an insightful conversation for me personally professionally and I know our listeners will really enjoy thanks for thanks for being on the show with us. I really appreciate it thank you so much and look forward to hopefully uh
0: joining again one day who knows.
1: Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demandbase TV.